Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. In this episode we're joined by Jason. Also Ryan the Zen Marxist wasn't available as a co-host so what we've done is we got stoned on. So stoned had to go co-host and it does get a little bit spicy I have to say because of Stone's positions on China, the CPC. But you know that's really what this is about so I left some of that in the podcast. I thought it would be useful, I like as an experiment, to really get all of the opinions on the table as we work through the facts. Huge thank you to our Patreon supporters who've now funded, you know, many duvet covers, and lots and lots of food. It's all going to be going out to the people very soon, and you all see pictures and videos of that, especially with our comrades, our Lumpen comrades who got in touch since listening to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio, and now we're starting to organise and work together in our respective communities and support each other there. For the time being, this is Xenophobia and Marxism too. Hope everybody's been doing well. Hope everybody's keeping the chin up. Also, because everybody's audio is split into one track because it was a plan C on recording, the audio quality is just not great, but, you know, just try and get faster. They will do better next time. Without further ado... Welcome very much to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio, Jason. Extremely pleased, grateful, humble to have you on the show here to talk about this vicious xenophobia and to talk about xenophobia within Marxist circles or beyond. As always, we just like to start off the episodes getting to know our guests a little bit more. It empowers your answers because people know who they're speaking to here. So could you just start off by telling us about your background, please, Jason? Sure. So I was born in China. Both my parents are from northeast China, two small villages up there. You can kind of think of that region as China's Rust Belt. It's been somewhat of a laggard, a little behind kind of like the the coasts and the south, but, you know, a lovely place all the same. So we moved over to the U.S. when I was relatively young. So I grew up most of my life here between Chicago and uh, other parts in the Midwest. But we also go back to China pretty often. I lived there for a year elementary school, I went to school there in China as well, that's where I picked up most of my language. We go back very often, at least until the recent pandemic. Part of that is just because of my dad's work, and part of that's just also for us to see relatives. My wife's family also all lives in China as well, so you know, we've got a bunch of relatives there. Still, that's most of my life lived in, in the U.S., across the Midwest. I'd say that's, that's about it for my background. Fucking beautiful to hear. Yeah, interesting. So you went from China to Chai Town and you lived around the Midwest in the US. Do you ever remember your earlier days in China and then moving over to America or was you too young? Uh, I was too young to remember that. My first memories of China going back in 1998. And that was my first trip back and I was uh, like about seven years old then. So oh, I was being born then. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, dating myself a bit there. I mean, I have the physical age of an eight-year-old, so it's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> fucking a. When you go back and return to China, this is actually something. I mean, like like I said, you know, I've been very close to somebody from Chinese background with Chinese family. Do you, you know systemically return back to China to try and find this kind of heritage and not lose the culture and identity? 
how does that translate to you? How do you feel when you're there? Do you feel alienated or do you feel like it's home? And I think that people should bear that in mind in, in the fact that realistically, lawfully, legally, you're American. What's that like when you return to China? Do you feel a sense of diaspora disappearing or does it reinforce that being torn between two worlds in a sense? So, and I think what you've mentioned are very typical struggles for a lot of people in the diaspora. I have to say it's not really been my own experience um, personally, and that's because I think my parents have put a lot of emphasis on like, you know, knowing where you're from and your culture and all that. They brought back a lot of like little comic books, TV shows, things like that from China, and, and I kind of grew up watching those too. I remember we'd watch these period dramas on Chinese history as a kid. I'd have like these comic books about Chinese history. So, you know, I always felt connected that way. And as I mentioned before, my, my parents are from rural China, relatively, they have much stronger accents than me, but oh. even my Chinese is kind of a rural accent. So, you know, I go there, people think I'm just from like the countryside or something. So while there is a kind of sense of like, oh, you know, you're not from around here, they don't necessarily see me as like, oh, you're from America. So I guess that also kind of changes the experience a bit. So I've never really felt like, uh, oh, you know, you get treated as an American in China. On the flip side, though, when, when I'm in the U.S., despite growing up here, I, I do also, I do very feel very, very Chinese. And I feel like that is a lot more obvious here than the reverse. Wow, that says so much. So you can go over there. You can, do you think that you appear American by the clothes you wear, by your accent, by some of your behaviors? Do you feel like you appear somewhat American in China? Probably from clothes. That's just because I don't really have a sense of fashion and, you know, people mm. there, like the just fashion Americans in general, not from like behavior or accent, I'd say. It's mostly like, I guess, clothes. Interesting. Um, that, that would probably be the biggest tell. And that helps to really bring about what we're talking about here is this, this racism in the United States, the belly of the beast. Because if you were to walk around, particularly today, looking in, you know, Chinese traditional or cultural clothing, you're undoubtedly going to be faced with chanting, screaming, abuse, racism, you know, the most detestable behaviours that, that people can engage in for nothing other than primitive nationalist stances being spoon-fed to them by fucking CIA bullshit. So that's really a great opportunity to get this episode started and kickstart the rest of the episodes. And we just asked, though, how did you end up getting into politics? So... I guess kind of started in college, which before I was not really political. And when I just first started college, that was kind of like the, the first Obama campaign. You know, a lot of young people were really excited about it. And I honestly was pretty excited too. Like, hey, he's a, like a young, exciting guy. I was really lucky that we were able to read both Marx and Frantz Fanon in college. And I think those were really important, like milestones uh, in my political development. But I think the most poignant part is just Reading news about China here in the, the Western media and contrasting that with like what I saw in China when I go back all the time and like the, the dissonance between those two just kept on intensifying and it got to the point where like, it's like, this is ridiculous. You know, how can they just flat out lie about China like that? You know, like I've been there. I know this is exactly not the case. So like all those things together just kind of accelerated. I started to, to kind of talk more about it publicly, post more about it, even write some articles. 
like, hey, you know, I know this isn't true. This is, I guess you can call them debunks, but there's also just me talking like these are things that I can find pretty easily. And yet they're just commonly accepted by like people who consume the news media here. I'd like to enlighten on that because like you've spot on to it. It's, it's very easy to discover that they're wrong. It's also very easy to discover so many things that do actually go wrong in China that they don't get criticized for by the West. I don't ever see the West criticizing like sweatshops or suicide nets or anything like that. Oh, wait, they're on Western companies. <laughs> Shit, don't talk about that. <laughs> they don't, yeah, they true. don't, they, they don't care about the people of China. They don't care about any of this crap. Like there are actual things that you could criticize China for, but they, it's not about caring about the people of China. They don't care about anything like that. It's all about supporting this narrative that defers people against China because of what China is doing to expand its uh, capital power within Africa. Because American imperial is threatened. Not only is it threatened, but we are now hitting a Great Depression. One thing that is never talked about about the Great Depression 100 years ago was that Great Depression was caused by the British Empire. It wasn't just caused by capitalism and its general, let's have a recession phase. The British Empire had reached its Roman point, its focal point, it could no longer expand, and it never did expand past that point. It only shrank and shrank and shrank. The only reason it didn't collapse in such a burst of flames was because of the Marshall Plan, but that was part of the Americans' plan of dealing with it because they couldn't have an abrasive inter-imperialist conflict. They needed unity to stand up against socialism within the East, but there's not really an East-West divide anymore. It's North-South, so they want to keep making up Uyghur shit, other crap like that. Absolute bullshit that can be proven wrong with the fucking quickest of fucking research. They will push that as much as they can to keep this East-West like narrative going whilst they fuck the South into oblivion. I mean, we're going to get yeah, to I... all that shit later, I'm sure. But have you any thoughts on that, comrade? Uh, yeah, I, I, the, the one thing I did want to echo is it, it's definitely clear that the interests of Chinese people have never been at like the the heart of Western media narratives, right? And you can see by like the type of actions they're calling for, like the recent sanctions on cotton produced in Xinjiang, or even tomatoes produced in Xinjiang. Like what they've done basically is made it impossible for Western companies to employ people from that region of China without being subject to sanctions, right? And they're making it purposely difficult. For people there to find jobs because they're hoping that oh well if a lot of those uyghurs are unemployed they'll be unhappy and then they'll hate the chinese government more so it's never been about their welfare there yeah prevent them from getting like jobs or improving their lives well they're abusing the fact that china never managed to fully decolonize so there's still massive disparities in the rural areas where people aren't ever got as much social organization from the government a lot of maoist communes still exist because of this where they're completely sectioned off and other crap like that when you take away what is the main sustenance for china because the way it organized its economy the common in u.s companies you push them out you cripple that section of china and because china has focused on developing the coasts building new villages in the center of china ain't gonna help the far northeast uh, sorry northwest of china just ain't gonna do nothing and um, Xinjiang is already in a enough, enough, enough crap as it is with fucking, um, what's it, uh, being in the very rural territories. Although there are some quite fucking, I remember seeing this picture of a very beautiful city up those ranges. I can't remember the name of it. Okay, so I just wanted to echo some thoughts myself before moving on to the next question. Like, you mentioned there's so many of the things that you were listening to and people behaving as you're seeing this kind of 
ridiculous. This would have to be in somewhat radicalised from the Obama era, which I've heard a lot. It's just really mind-blowing. So this ridiculousness, it seems to me like, could you replace that word with, with a kind of fury, a disappointment for the American people? How could you be so foolish? And, you know, that really brings into, coming back onto Marxism here, that really makes us think about the how true it is that the base and the superstructure influences our ideology is so many people are buying such bullshit and they've never left the United States and you yourself have and you're not so susceptible to the bullshit just like you know the, the many Cubans who have left Cuba or their parents left Cuba to go to Florida and then they're matched with the base and the superstructure in America and suddenly they're anti-Cuban imagine I truly believe by the way that if these cubans were to you know keep returning to cuba their opinions would change completely on their identity can i just ask for this for the sake of the podcast as well like do you subscribe to a specific tendency and if so why is that well i guess like if you had to put a term to it i consider myself a marxist leninist but you know like I guess like in China, it's the, the English term is socialism with Chinese characteristics. But, you know, I just see that as an application of Marxism-Leninism to China's situation. I think some of the best writings on this topic or speeches are from the 1987 Party Congress. Like there was a lot of discussion about where China was uh, and how to apply Marxist thought to China. And we came up with the primary stage of socialism and talked about building productive forces. But, you know, they put a lot of thought into this and where, where China was and what it had to do to get to socialism. And they didn't think about the most that. important thing, though. Where do the capitalists source their power? Economics. So if you make billionaires, how are you going to enforce Marxism? Well, I... Just let, let our guests respond to the answers first before we respond. And I... I don't think that the existence of billionaires in China is in like any contradiction with what they're trying to build there. China used to be like basically a feudal society when the revolution happened. And, you know, with the state of everything is they, they needed to build up like just a general base for the population, get everyone to a certain living standard first before they can continue. None of the billionaires in China really hold any political power. Right. In the United States, any billionaire can, can buy a representative or a senator and influence policy. Like that never happens in China. Like remember the stories Maybe about not. Jack Ma we heard about last year that oh he was disappeared for criticizing the government. Would you ever read the oh, same thing oh, in the United okay, States? So, no, but I would read the same thing in Nazi Germany. Like like would oh, you? And, oh, oh and we did read the same thing in the United States, Jeffrey fucking Epstein. Now, the point I would put out is where do capitalists source their political power? It's not from like it's not from being involved in a government. They organize that government. It's from their economic power, their ability to wield capital. Now, those billionaires, which is a massive amount of wealth, might I add, are now sending that capital, that excess capital that you get from being a billionaire, to Africa, which is might I add imperialist action, which is the next development of capitalism when it develops. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. First uh, of all, like how, so none how is, of these how, billionaires. How is, 
I, let no, me I, let me finish for a moment. I was, yeah, I was no, Stone, love, we've got a script and questions. We're, we're politely asked the yeah, comrade no, yeah, to come yeah, on yeah. and then answer the questions, and that's what we're trying to get through. We're not trying to start a debate about a particular thing. If that's something you want to be involved in, that's fine. We can set that up. But for now, the guest is prepared for the questions laid out for them. Happy days, happy days. I'm all sweet. I get a bit hyper-focused sometimes. It's all fucking, it's all swappy. Yeah, like I say, I appreciate it. New to this shit, we, we just want to get through this script and not any, like, again, if you have any, something we do want to discuss, we can set that up, but our guest has prepared for these questions with answers and we do intend to get through them. By all means, near the end, if you have questions, I'm sure the comrade might be willing to answer them. But for the time being, let's not get too dis- distracted. Yeah, otherwise we'll end up stuck here for fucking years. No stress. Okay, cool. So, comrade, have, have you got anything to add on? I mean, fact, what I want to point out is the fact that you yourself haven't been to China. You yourself identify yourself as a Marxist-Leninist. So, and, and that's with like go going to China and in fact you know well turn that into a direct question if you wouldn't mind. Um if if you're a Marxist Leninist because you believe that that's essentially what what socialism is with Chinese characteristics, what would you say to those who disagree with that, if anything? I would ask them to really read through and understand Chinese history where China was in nineteen forty nine where it was in 1970 and the 90s and today, and, you know, and all the steps China has taken, like a lot of the things China has done and achieved in that period are just simply taken for granted by Westerners, which, you know, I find absolutely ridiculous, right? Like it's, it's so much more comfortable living in the West. They, they don't understand how much adversity, how much hard work Chinese people had to build what they have today. Like, and, you know, they've ended absolute poverty They've built so much, one of the world's best rail networks too, and that's all for the people. You know, Switch like that, that rail system isn't built for like billionaires to use. That's built for like my grandma to take the train so she can go see her son. You know, like that's that's who it's built for. And these like people just hyper focus on like these things. And they even Chinese imperialism Africa is another Western media invention that like you know, they focus on like what, cause they've read an article in the economy. Sweatshops are absolutely ridiculous. Are the sweatshops? Yeah, I, they are. Please the sweatshops are like <laughs> wages in China go up every year. Like that's why all these Western companies are pulling their manufacturing out of China. They're going to Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam. It's because China's labor costs in China are too high now. Africa. Yeah. What happens in capitalism? Where? Give me an example. Right? Well, like you just I, keep so, on repeating so, so, all of this okay, bullshit, so dude. Could, but like, you but, have so, no idea what you're talking so, about. So like why you, you, why don't you look at the companies that are being set up, Chinese companies in Africa? Give me a name of executives. What? I was supposed to just pull a name up my fucking ass like I'm Jack of the fucking. Because you, you clearly don't know any. You, you can't even bring. I really up don't a know any. One, like, oh, fucking all right, then I'll go on fucking Google and waste my fucking time searching for some fucking company. Yeah, find find me a BBC article, right? I'll find you the fucking company itself and I'll fucking find the company's fucking outfit. Uh, No offense, but I would like to get back on topic. I've like this co-host guy just has his axe to grind clearly. If you want to get through the material, let's get through the material. I just don't like the like sweatshops being absolutely ignored. Let me me come in for a second. Stone, please appreciate that the guest is prepared for these answers. I totally appreciate and I'm going to include this in the podcast that you yourself and other people out there 
do have more questions about China, its role in imperialism, etc. And that's why we're doing this series now, is to gain the answers. But if we can't gain the answers without listening to the comrades who are willing to speak to us from you know a, a Chinese background, we have to listen to these comrades. And then the opinions that will develop from that will inform our theory and our practice and our understanding of the world. Of course, we have to be grateful that this comrade is coming on and speaking to us please allow them to ask the questions. If you do have a somewhat disagreement, please put forth at the end of an answer before we move on to the next question. What do you think of the term Asian-American? No, because I recently found out that that's an actual term that they use in America. I consider myself Chinese. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they use that. There's there's a lot of hyphenated like terms they use in America, which are pretty common. And it's kind of an umbrella term that includes quite a few nationalities under it right like you know korean american chinese american japanese american like i don't love the term but it's basically just it is what it is that that is the the common term used and like somewhat hard to avoid don't you think that the generalized yeah don't you think that this generalization of somebody's background particularly like when asia itself is absolutely fucking massive and you're calling somebody asian american with no specification whatsoever the exact same as like african american all it points to is kind of not american in my opinion it was just something that i wanted to throw out there because i think it's absolutely absurd but does it make sense to you or is it absurd I don't think it has to do with the term that much. There are people who will proudly call themselves Irish American, but because they're white, they're still seen as American. So I think it it's not really the term itself. Really, it just comes down to, to skin color, whether you look American or not. Like, Whoa. you know, there are plenty of people that call themselves Italian American. Everyone wow. still sees them as American, right? Like... Because you've got like the whole history with America where like Irish people and Italian people used to be called inside out N-words um, by the English and the French and the other Europeans, uh, even used as in, not, not as slaves, that's a lie, but they were used as indentured servants by a lot of people within the British conquest of I, Ireland. Well, so were um, Chinese people too, so, right? Like so, they no, built the railroad I'm, as I'm well just, for like... I'm, just, I'm talking about prior to American history when they then went over and then when they went over, the Irish and the Italians were accepted into whiteness whilst the African-Americans were being brought over to be the, those the, which were engulfed within blackness. I mean, at the end of the day, it just comes down to whether you look American or not, simply put. That's well, the reason look, why African-Americans and Chinese-Americans are not accepted. And Irish Do you look like one of us? <laughs> wow. No, you're absolutely right. That makes sense completely. No, the, of course, it's just about pointing fingers, saying you look Asian, you look African, <laughs> and you live in America. Wow, that's fucking crazy. It's insane and primitive to me, if you ask me. Oh. It's like those people that thought leaving the EU would get rid of Pakistanis and Indians. Uh, no, that's the Commonwealth. <laughs> bombastic racism will be bombastic racism. <laughs> Literally. Okay, so this episode is set up. Comrade John, who is the John on Twitter, actually put me on to you. So... This was all arranged before there was actually a mass shooting by some unbelievable cretin against people who could be considered to look Asian. Are you surprised by this recent mass shooting in the last, like, two weeks or so? Are you surprised by it? What was your initial emotional reaction to this or the emotional reaction of others which you've observed, particularly with a Chinese background in the United States? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was absolutely horrifying to hear, um, you know, and when when the news first broke and, like, they hadn't even been caught yet, like, it's definitely, like, Frey, because he had hit, like, multiple locations or something, right? He was still on the run, so it's definitely pretty scary, uh, especially since, you know, also have some friends down in Atlanta, too. Um, but what really, like, really was enraging in the next couple of days was, like, the coverage where, you know, the, the, they didn't even, like, they didn't really talk about the victims too much. Like their stories didn't really get told until later. It was all focused on like, well, the, the wow. killer was a good Christian boy. He went to this church and the, and the church is so sorry about wow. what happened and stuff. Like they really made an effort to kind of humanize this guy. And like, whereas the victims really didn't get any of that. In fact, one of the victims, this woman who was uh, like a, getting a massage, like her husband was Hispanic. And the police simply d didn't believe that he was the, the husband because they're like, oh, you know, how is this white lady married to this Hispanic man? So they handcuffed him. They, they wouldn't let him in or anything. And like, you know, they, they absolutely Whoa. mistreated him, too. So there's just no humanity given to the, the victims. And it's all just about like this good Christian boy who, in the words of the Atlanta police, like, uh, he's like, oh, he just simply had a bad day, you know, and that was absolutely shocking like that. They would just go out and say that. Oh, that's fucking disgusting. Fucking, like... Ugh. Why? And, like, it's, the, the whole point is to groom these reactions because it, it mm. causes disparities amongst the lower class. It keeps the lower class at arm's length with each other, especially when you're dealing with foreigners because a lot of the time foreigners end up being in the poorest section of the working class. I know it is more common that, that Asian-Americans are in the labor aristocracy comparative to African-Americans or any other minority groups, but still, you end up in this position where, it, regardless, the minority groups that are mostly going to be affected are those that are on the streets or in the poor or fucking you know, fighting to survive as a, as, a, as a wage slave. This is all about making sure that those people that will be more radically minded because of their more uh, their lower material conditions are completely cut off from the national proletariat of the country so that any form of radicalization that ever come from that proletariat would be formalized against the, the foreign uh, workers and the foreign peoples and they're not with them. And that's why every time there's ever anything where a white man, where a white man has killed someone who ain't white in America or someone who's homosexual or anything like that, and it's for that reason, it's because it was a good Christian having a bad day. Uh, do you know why they do as well? Is because within the logic of Christianity, they basically believe in this idea of repressing things that are seen as unnecessary evils or things that are too far bad. So basically what they're saying is that he's a good Christian, he just wasn't repressing his racist side of being a Christian enough. Wow, well said, comrade. Fuck me. Absolutely agree with you. They're stone talking about trying to groom these proletarian antagonisms to show you if you do it, it's not so bad. Back to what you were saying, Jason regarding being terrified because he's still on the run we don't know what what's going on he was just a christian having a bad day what can i say it's fucking mad well, could i throw a question in actually fuck practicality and, and and the scientific way of thinking just on a pure emotional level like I, I i don't i understand if you can't fully express it out there it's a nervous thing to sort of put out there like how did that like sort of like fracture you out especially like i'd also like to add combined with the racial history of america the colonial history of america putting that on top of it i think it's a lot the, the history of uh, america towards immigrants from you know various asian countries has 
been incredibly awful, right? Like the first waves, like when, when the Chinese laborers were brought over to build the railroad and then there was this fear of like them reproducing or too many. So they banned Chinese women from immigrating over. Um, they, they segregated them into the Chinatowns. And there even was a point in which if any white woman married a Chinese laborer, they had to give up their U.S. citizenship. And, you know, and that was the law. Uh, they had oh. the Chinese Exclusion Act all the way up till like basically World War II persisted for about like almost a century. And then after that, right, like they took in some waves of refugees from the Vietnam War, like allies of the United States in that war. And, you know, there's tensions there between like the, the Hmong groups and, and where they lived as well. But with all that in the context, like just in recent times, like the news, it's like every single day, there's some new incident. Um, you know, typically like some elderly grandpa or grandma gets gets pushed down on the street or like hit in the back of the head like one-off incidents like that that just kind of stack up and then just you know kind of culminate into like a mass shooting incident so you know it's it's uh it really beats you down it, Fuck it me. gives you that like sense of dread and fear like i can feel it in the way that you like express it's like trying to find the best way to express how this is because there's so much to compartmentalize as you say it goes all the way back to when the Chinese were utilized as slaves to essentially slave, like, you know, forced, like hard bearing labor to build railways and then their reward for it. Eugenics. Like, you can't breed with your own species. Fuck off. If you're going to breed, fucking, you're not fucking making sure there's any more of you that are pure because, you know, we had this weird fetishism for purism, even though there's no such thing as pure ethnicity. Let me come in here because I'm fucking furious already. You fucking pissed me off. Both of you is talking about your fucking emotional feelings and how fucking gruesome this is. And I've got to reiterate this to all the motherfucking white motherfuckers who grew up in the motherfucking Imperial Corps and haven't got a clue about this shit. When we're talking about China and the Chinese Revolution, building railroads, building society and infrastructure to develop so that they're not alienated and they can travel through time and space in order to better themselves as human beings and to learn and to fucking grow in society. China done all of that already for the United fucking States before they done it in fucking China. That's what we're getting at. And this is where it comes down to power. This is where it comes down to antagonism. This is where it comes down to capitalism versus goddamn communism. Because guess what? Whether you're fucking black, white, brown or fucking yellow or anything motherfucking like that, any shade of the goddamn sun, capitalism wants to fucking annihilate you. It's got its own colour and its colour is called death. It's the most purest, whitest form of anything. It's so white. It's as white as a dead body because that's what it's going to fucking do to you. What we have to get is when we're talking about xenophobia and Marxism and China, China bad, oh no, I'm not anti-China, I'm anti-CPC. This is so you can continue to exploit a fucking population because of the fucking skin colour, from racial bias, from looking down at these motherfuckers as if you're better than them in any way, shape or form. When you're not, we're fucking not. These China motherfuckers, we should be bound down to these people saying, what the fuck can we do? We should be learning from these people. Yes, we may have our doubts over economic economic practices, over capital investments, anything like that. But we have to ask questions and we have to learn. What we must not do is put our whiteness, put our fucking superiority fucking complex before those that are 
built the society that fuckers are walking on today. Britain's not the same, but many, many of our listeners are from the United States. That's directed at you, particularly you motherfucking Texans, who are like the second highest kind of listeners of the podcast. Mm. Have you got any but, thoughts um, on, on that at all, Jason, or shall we move on to the next question? Could I add something real quick as well, though, I'd like to say is that it's because the West lacks dialectical materialism amongst the Marxists, so people will just hide under criticism to say that there's a Uyghur genocide or some other bullshit like that. What this is, this violence, this mass shooting by somebody absolutely hideous who could grow the worst beard going, his beard look like pubes. This is the state of motherfuckers, like, lonely, can't get a partner, can't get friends, just absolute cretins, alienated from society, absolute victims of capitalism, and then they turn more victims into capitalism as a victim of them because they themselves are a victim of, of capitalism. What we're talking about is shit rolling downhill. We're talking about the oppressors oppressing the oppressed and then the oppressed oppressed the hyper-oppressed and that is people who aren't white and then it's people who aren't, who are fucking not able-bodied, it's the disabled, who are then not able to even be wage slaves, who are not even good to be slaves because they're fucking disabled in some way, shape or form and should be fucking annihilated. That's what's going on with our disabled comrades, but of course, at the moment, we're looking at racism and xenophobia. So, is this xenophobia? From that little bit, though, could I just say that 90,000 people have been eugenicided during the coronavirus in Britain because of this shit? You can say that, and that's just Britain, and that's 90,000 motherfucking lives taken away by policy that people enacted, the ruling class people, intentionally, so that these motherfuckers would die. Xenophobia, this racism that's escalating unquestionably, in my opinion. But to you, as a Chinese person growing up in America, is this xenophobia a recent problem, do you think? Or has it escalated from a certain time, at least in your lifetime, that you could observe? I think it's changed its forms like quite a bit. When I was a kid, you know, in the 90s, like China was a lot more poor. Like, why well, China wasn't even in the World Trade Organization. And, you know, and people just like, oh, you know, China's so poor, right? Like, aren't you happy or you came here? You know, otherwise you'd be like farming with your family or something. So, like, I don't know if that's technically xenophobia as like as a fear, but it's, you know, it's this condescending looking at like, you know, you, you, your family in China must be living in hell, like that kind of vibe. Um, and then as like, you know, China continued to develop and, and started to build out some industry, and making things that, you know, did get exported here, then they'd be like, oh, you know, China just makes low-quality things. China makes poisonous things. They're killing our pets, right? Like, there's lead paint in the toys. And that was, like, right, 2005, 2004 or so. So that was the, the next wave. And then maybe after the Great Recession, 2008, 2009, then, like, it kind of turned from, like, oh, no, we got to be worried about China now. China's going to take over the world. And that's kind of the start of the current trajectory we're on. And what we're seeing right now is just, like, China is no longer this poor country that we can look down on China. It's a challenge to U.S. hegemony, and we can't bet that. So a lot of things have kicked up into overdrive. But, yeah, you know, I'd say it's always been there. It's just really the only thing that's changed is that their perception of China has also changed. It's changed with the times to fit its propagandive narrative. But one thing I'd actually like to ask you is, in the historical usage of xenophobia, it was 
was because it, it come from British culture, eventually escalated towards the Opium Wars, but it even goes back further than that. It was very much formalized as a part of Orientalism and uh, very much got merged in that. And most Chinese racism was more a part of that block of Orientalism. Is Orientalism still an influence on xenophobia or is it more so? Definitely, because I think Orientalism is the basis of how the media can get away with just saying things about China and people just accepting it. You know, those people in China, we don't know what they're up to. They probably do just put in the, the paint, right? Like, they've got to just cheap out on things. They've got to be stealing our intellectual property. If you said all these things about Canada, I don't think a lot of Americans would buy it because they're like, oh, you know, Canada? Like, Canadians, are, they're like us. They wouldn't do those things. <laughs> yeah. But like, like the organ harvesting, I think that's a great example. Anytime you hear a claim in which it's just the Chinese government just being evil just to be evil with, like, no real, like, gain out of it, then I would say that's Orientalism. Like, what's the point of organ harvesting? And selling them to the Queen so she can keep Prince Philip alive. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, like, first of all, to store organs, you need a lot of specific medical chemicals. Most of those China doesn't produce. We import them. Like, you'd know, like, oh, wow, why is China importing all of these chemicals for organ preservation, right? Like, it's just such an easily disprovable thing, but people believe it because, you know, this, this is inscrutable Orientals. That's totally the type of thing they, they do. An organ can only be out of the body for hours. You can't, like, you can find ways to store it for longer, but it basically kills it eventually. Yeah, you got to just take like that thing back in. Evil to be evil, you know? Like, any claims like that, I, I just put down to Orientalism. Very interesting. China, you got to a point where so many, so long ago they were in the World Trade Organization. Now they're basically dons of the World Trade Organization competing with the United States hegemony within it. And what we're talking about is, of course, as we know, Democrats, Republicans, Tories, all these electoral politics, ruling class parties, these are all conservative. So when you see dramatic change, like the empowerment, economic empowerment of a country like China, that's absolutely massive. More territory than the United States in terms of just like an actual fucking mainland. The conservatives who literally were born and thought that the world's going to stay the exact same and like they're just going to be on top of the world the whole lives. They're seeing such drastic change that not only had they not expected, but something that they'd continuously tried to oppose and tried to fucking get the CIA to inhibit, and that is China flourishing. So that's, I think, is what's going to piss these motherfuckers off the most, is their cognitive dissonance where they're seeing progress. So that's what we're seeing. That's where this real xenophobia rhetoric comes from, I think. And, it, and, and like, when, when you're going to see people out on the streets talking shit about China, making bullshit up like fucking... Do you know what I'm saying? They're acting like fucking kids on a playground. They literally haven't progressed since children when you were in private school. This is the people who were ruling the fucking world, motherfuckers. What's going on? Talk about the economic prevalence of China, the flourishing of the Chinese population from not being these docile, submissive people who are just going to be desperate to eat a fucking cob of corn in order to build your fucking railways in your country and to be cheap fucking labour to the point where they're like, are you fucking mad? I've got a nice little house there with a nice family. What we want, basically, in this country, but we can't because of fucking austerity. China people have got this. Like, unquestionably, in my opinion, and, and many other people's opinions, these Riga myths... Covid and bourgeois media, along with the State Department, has intentionally tried to get the public to hate and blame China 
for most of its problems today. Have you personally experienced any of this racism or noticed an upsurge in it since these Uyghur myths, COVID, and the State Department's comments on China? I mean, it's clearly increased across the United States. Like me personally, I haven't been as affected as much because I do work remote now, so I'm not out of the house as often. You know, I stopped taking the train, I stopped taking the bus, so there's just less opportunities for me out there, right? I don't have a dog, so I'm not like out walking my dog or anything, or a lot of these incidents have happened, things like that. So I wouldn't say like it's affected me in real life. You can see it online. But, you know, I feel like that's always been there. I will say, though, that, like, you know, my mom did actually get, I don't know, verbally abused by a neighbor while she was out walking uh, her dog, right? Jesus Um, Christ, do you know what they said? You know, it's just like, you know, hey, keep your dog away from mine, right? Like, you know, like, you know, just stay away from it. You know, there wasn't, like, anything overtly racial, but... My mom's, you know, what, like in her 60s, right? Like, Jesus. You, you don't treat like elderly people like that, yeah. right? So you got to feel oh, that, that's like, like a complete breach of like basic respect. That's it's like, targeted that's a, harassment. away from me. It's actually targeted harassment. It's the, your dog is obviously a cretin because you're one of them. Like, not even saying it, just one of them. Uh, someone said in the chat, keep your Chinese dog away from my pure American dog. That's sort of mentality. Yeah. Uyghur myths, COVID, bourgeois media has affected even you yourself personally through your parents and caring about your fucking family. We're all one distant family all across the motherfucking world. People of the world, join hands, start a love train, love train. That's what I'm about <laughs> But I am every day trying to separate us. I do have one from childhood that I do want to put out there because I think it is relevant. I forgot what year it was, but there was a a school shooter at Virginia Tech, you know, where he killed like how many people, but uh, his name was Cho Sung Hee. He was a Korean that was like in the news when I was in middle school or high school, I forget. Um, And after that news, I remember I was, I went to laser tag with uh, a couple of my friends. It's like, you know, one of those American activities. And there was a dad there with his, like, young boys, and they're having some sort of party or something. And the dad, you know, sees me, and then he makes a joke about, ha-ha, you know, I'm glad you're doing laser tag and not shooting up your school. Um, and I, I didn't know how to respond, right? Because I'm not used to adults, like, talking to me like that. Like, when I'm you in, uh, in Korea, you shouldn't have to know how to respond to that. Well, that's the how thing, old right? was like, you? You can't expect Americans to tell the difference. So, like, I, I'd say, like, this is a... Honestly, it should be a moment for solidarity for, like, immigrants from all over Asia, right? Like, Americans are not going to know the difference between who's Chinese and who's not. So right? racism, like, a lot of these people attacked, wrong. they aren't even Chinese. China has 50 ethnicities, and America can't tell the difference between countries that aren't China and China. When he has this... to go out his way and say that to a kid. Like, you're going to feel like you're almost being is treated it... as if you're fucking programmed like everyone else. That's the point, though, Stone, is, like, these people, as you say, are programmed to do that, and these people only find happiness and improving that they're part of the fucking program, the racist fucking system that they're a part of. That's why so many people turn to fucking nationalist organisations is for a space of community that's being fucking shoved down the fucking neck that they need to be racist scumbags, because that is part of the programme. 
only have to be programmed so that people are continuously fucking fighting it against fucking each other. It's insane. What I would say is that this comes into, you know, are you going on about the parties being conservative? Well, that was a trend commonality because neoliberalism, neoliberalism was as they believed it and they were very happy to believe that they had won. 1991, we've won. Yes. Fucking yes, we've got a neoliberalism system set up that we wanted to set up in the 30s, but we're delayed in set up. Everything's sweet. Come 1997, we have a recession. Oh, actually, 93, we had a recession as well that was really bad, but 97 was the one that really sort of like sealed the deal. And that's where New Labour got its power basis and third way social democrats in general which is the platform that the democrat party runs on i know that it seems weird that the liberal democrats of america would be called third way social democrats but that's because they're pro privatization not anti-nationalization pro free market quote unquote social democrats and these guys are fascists in name and this is a reaction to the coming depression that well that we're now in they were more than aware was going to come at this rate with the way everything was fucking going that's why america went bombastic and started invading as many countries as it could they need fascism. They need fascism to protect themselves from the depression and to protect themselves from China growing as a threat to the US, British, European capital. There's even an extensive where Russia and China might even come to collisions with each other over restrictions on Russia's ability to expand capital. Russia's destroyed troops in Venezuela, and that's not because Russia's very nice. Just to go back to this shooting, I've only just noticed this article that you sent to me. The Georgia officer condemned for saying Atlanta shooter was having a bad day. He was just having a bad day and he didn't wait until he went to join the army as infantry before he done that or the fucking drone striker. It's insane. This is literally the fucking world we're living in, people. It's not even a world. It's literally a fucking hell. And I hate even using biblical applications because it's insane when we should be using sense, but people are lacking sense because they're being fed bullshit. We're living in a fucking fairy tale with no fucking intellectualization. We're just living in literally death. Our brain cells are dying. Day by day. The Marxists of the first world are fucking complicit in this as well. They engage in the racism. All okay, that's it. Next point. Ne- next question. Thank you for that. Can, can I ask you, have you ever encountered Marxists who are xenophobic? And how does that make you feel as another Marxist? Oh, I mean, they're all over. <laughs> like, that's, I feel like it's definitely rare. To actually see, like you know, Marxists that that support modern China, right? Like it's, I, I feel like it's a minority position. Um, I, I'm happy that I know a bunch through Twitter and then like through Facebook stuff. But in my experience, it's definitely like the minority. You know, most of them, like at best, they might have like, well, you know, I don't think China is socialist anymore, but you know, I, I support them against U.S. imperialism like that. That probably is the best you can do for, like, the most part. I, you know. The U.S. should be out of China's borders, out of Taiwan. They shouldn't be anywhere near Hong Kong. Just just to refrain from the actual geopolitics, to stay on the subject of xenophobia and Marxism, can I ask you as a follow-up question, so if there's a minority, as you said, of Marxists who support modern-day China, who support it as communist and socialist, or socialistly heading towards communism, have you actually encountered racism from these Marxists themselves? Online, yeah. You know, like, they'll just say that I'm, what, like, just a, a bootlicker, or I'm just, a, you know, like... A... 
diluted, right. you know, things like that. I, you know, I, I get that a lot, but you know, from where I come from, I can see like the material gains that the party has delivered for like my family, which, as I said, they, they live, they're from very rural places in China, places so small they don't even have like a Wikipedia page, you know, like villages mm-hmm. of 200 people. So like I've been there in 1998, I've been there in 2018. I've seen what's changed over like 20 years and it's pretty amazing. Wow, that's insane. People, please listen to this shit. We're talking about a comrade who's saying that other Marxists, he gets he gets racism of other Marxists. Now leads on to pretty much my final question before we ask oh, you. Before you go to the final question, could I just add one thing onto that, please, just yeah. real quickly, is that I would say as well, as someone who is critical of China, and, you know, I struggle to put it across because my disability makes me very hard to deal with with, with, with all the statistics and, and sources and other crap like that, and I get a bit aggressive within discussions. But the problem I see is that I don't like the way that I end up getting in discussions, and I do apologize for earlier. It was completely off form of the way I dealt with that situation. The problem I see is that there aren't good critiques of China. 99.9% of people who ever criticized China always just use the US and the British and the and the European ways of looking at it. They use Orientalism. They treat Chinese people like they're fucking lesser, like they're backwards. Rural or not, they ain't backwards. Treating anyone like they're backwards is fucking the colonial fucking bullshit. You treat people as they are, you respect. They're human beings, you're human beings. You show them respect, they show you respect. That is the fucking universal law of humanity and it has been for a very long fucking time. And for some unknown reason why in the first world, it's the one place where it seems to exist the least. Yet somehow, what, what we're supposed to be, what, you know, we're the, we're the least impoverished places in the planet because of the middle class and the way it's funded to survive. But we, we have all these Marxists, these anti-racists that want to go and they're not just xenophobic, but they're, they're racist to all sorts of different colonialized peoples. The African-Americans is a good example. So on that note, I, I'd like to, I'll, I'll link something in the chat later, but there's this website called Utopia in English. In Chinese, it's Wu Yodrishyang. And it's run by like, I guess they call they would call themselves like the new left. Sometimes they're also referred to as like Chinese Maoists, but it's a really good website. They put up articles all the time. You know, they're obviously in Chinese, but that's a place where you can find like critiques of China by Chinese people, right? Like it's all out there. The only issue is that most of it is not in English. So, you know, it's not really accessible to people looking for it, but that's definitely a resource I recommend. I did one of their notes, Chow Collect, and has done enough chat friends, but uh, definitely a good resource for the future, I'd say. Well said, Comrade. If we can translate all these books back in the 1800s, I reckon we can get. We, we need to get some people together <laughs> on to translate a lot of these articles because it would be beautiful to read. Defo. Can I just say, Jason, of course, you're a Marxist. You just proven that. I mean, what you're doing is obviously talking for the sake of humanity, linking to resources so we can continue to educate ourselves. But more than that, you're linking to the contradictions of your own argument. You're linking to things that disagree with the stance which you already have in the purpose of questioning reality, being truly critical. Why do we think these things? Why do we feel these things? What other opinions are there? And then how can we question our beliefs and then learn from the facts to change these beliefs? That's absolutely right. Thank you so much for for that link. And maybe it's worth, again, I'm trying to do this, maybe it's worth engaging with them and try and get some, some of those on the episode to discuss their standpoints. Again, just for the sake of tackling contradictions and then hopefully addressing 
these concerns that so many other people have. And I will finish up an improvised quote. We haven't got this down in the script. I think it's very important. And actually, as a follow-up question for everything that we've discussed now, is, is can I ask you, for those who don't believe China's socialist, don't believe in Chinese with socialist characteristics, who do believe it is an imperialist nation, like so many people, as you said, you come across online. So to directly speak to those people online who don't agree with China being socialist, can you answer, is it acceptable to be racist or disrespectful towards people of an Asian or Chinese background on the basis that you don't believe China is socialist? Is that right? Or... No, you know, like, for people who disagree things like kind of you know like where you're hearing these from the propaganda is carrying out this really has right like they'll tell conservatives that china is locking up Christians, right workers that that china is taking their job because they're all willing to work work for like you know sweat and chop pay are going over there and for leftist sympathies they'll tell that China is locking up Marxists, right? Like, I've heard that one as well. So they've really got something for everyone, you know? Like, there's <laughs> four, like, Muslim nations, right? That's Uyghur genocide. You call a Muslim nation. There really is something that it's pissy single group in the world, right? Like, right, and for, for Chinese propaganda, sometimes you hear, for, especially from, like, Falun Gong and, and those groups, they're like, oh, China is destroying Chinese culture, right? So there really is something for everything. Wow. And I, I like people to, to look at that whole canon, you know, not just the part that you that is focused on you, but, you know, look at the other stuff. Look at the claims that, that China is also, like, persecuting Christians or that China is, in, like, all of that fits together, right? If you look at all of it and you see how silly the other things are that aren't targeted toward you, you know, you should then also go back and question, like, the, the claims that are targeted at you, like, at your specific sympathies too, right? So I, I definitely ask people to go back and, and review those. And, and if there are specific things that, you know, you're, you're curious about, uh, you know, you can definitely always, like, find me on Twitter. I'm happy to, to help. Like, I've written a lot of articles debunking specific claims. I've been on podcasts before. I'm happy to talk about anything. And, right, like, and my standpoint is not that, that China is perfect or that China is, like, just doing absolutely the best at everything. But from where I standpoint and the trends from 1998 to now, I think that's all absolutely great, right? Like my my position comes from the they're working towards the right direction, that they have the right goals in mind, right? And that things that are bad right now are being fixed. In 2012, for example, pollution it was so bad that you know you saw the smog in Beijing, you couldn't see for shit. Like number one priority, and and look how much they've invested into that. Like you know it's like clear skies in Beijing most more often than not now, right? So. The trends are great, and that's what gives me confidence, right? Like, the minute the trends start being not great, you know, I have to reevaluate my, you know, that that's that's where I'm coming from. I'm I'm looking at it from, you know, what I've seen from a kid till now, and the the trajectory is great. My experience, my experience is 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 so fucking uh, the uh, gives you a wellspring of, of of knowledge from from direction. Like and as Mal said, knowledge is first learned through experience. And those that learn knowledge separately from it are always going to be somewhat blindsided. But then, of course, 
there's a, there's a there's a two-sided coin to that because there's only so much that anyone can ever see it's a really hard purview that's why as you said yourself look as far as you can and wide as you can i would say that my method with it is that i almost feel like with the way that first world society functions and the majority of people in first world society being aristocrats aristocrats they they their minds are too trained and not and I don't actually don't mean this in insults to anyone who is an aristocrat that's listening as much as I fucking do criticize you a lot it's not about anything that's that's fucking you being horrible or anything but you are trained to be cognitively dissonant so yeah. when it comes to like looking against claims that have been put in their head I don't think it works that way I think it would be better if they were to just literally throw those claims aside and look at China themselves actually go and go and just look at China with a blank page look at it all, analyze it as itself, and then analyze its relationship with the world, and look at it from a dialectical materialist analysis. Because realistically, we're speaking out to these communists, man, these communists who don't do dialectical materialism. They don't. They're not, racist. Don't Never mind, don't, don't not do diamonds, but they're racist. Mm. This has got a fucking, fucking end. They're racist as well. And there's, there's, there's fascists all throughout our movement. And everyone doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. Fascist, fascist eugenicists, these have all got to go. That's what we're doing here, Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. We're sick of this thing. The left has to die. We have to bring forth the bottom. Never mind the fucking left or the right. We're bringing up the bottom to the motherfucking top. And the top are going to the fucking bottom. That's what we're doing here. Interesting points there. Clear skies in Beijing most of the time. You're not going to see that in LA. In fact, you're going to see fucking more red skies. You're going to see more California. You're going to see people breathing in this shit. It happened last year, didn't it? Where everything was red on the fucking west coast of America. Things are bad in China when it comes to pollution, but you've never seen that shit. And China's insistently trying to work on those pollution problems. America will never do that same goddamn thing. We're lucky that they stopped using lead and fucking petrol all them years ago. I'm fucking telling you. We have unleaded fuel to this day. Only in imperial countries, never mind the rest of the fucking world, in Africa, etc., they still have lead. Lead is ex extremely poisonous to our atmosphere, uh, hence us. But also, every single one of us to this day has lead in our blood from when they started using petrol. That's just a matter of fact. Not only are they attacking us ideology, they're attacking us to attack each other. They're attacking our physical bodies, every single environmental destruction against the climate is against our own bodies because we're a part of this as a dialectical process of us and the world and other people and how we interact with one another i think that we've made some extremely important points tonight one contrast is there has been a place like that has been like this that is no longer like this as well now and that's london london was smoggy for fucking decades centuries actually and yeah then you'd get a black nose in that wouldn't you yeah and then was it the 70s or the 80s? Many of the pollutants that we use today are worse than back when London had black noses for walking around the city centres. But the difference is we can't see it. They just use chemicals and shit we can't see. This is capitalism. I got a question. This has to go out to people and people need to let this fucking sink in. You know what I'm really disgusted about is the racism which our comrade... What's your name, Jane? Joseph? Jason. Jason. I was fucking good. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm so bad at names. Uh, Jason. That, yep. that, that our comrade James had mentioned about is this, oh yeah, sure, standard. Absolutely standard. Of course I've encountered racist Marxists. This is insane. Oh, this, oh my, what is...
What is wrong with you fucking Marxist? Get off the fucking internet. Learn your fucking humanity. Struggle. Be poor. Have your belly fucking rumble and realise that that is what millions of people all around the world intentionally go through. Go out and sleep on the goddamn streets if you think you're too goddamn privileged. You Marxists make me goddamn sick. We need to be human beings beyond any kind of fucking Marxist culture that you've created. And that's what I hope that we we have to do. We have to do. Because when, when my Marxist movement believes this bullshit that, that perpetuates aggression, alienation, offensive racism against other people, just simply because human beings migrated to a certain point and had to reduce their levels of melanin regarding the distance of the sun... This isn't good enough, you know what I'm saying? It's a scientific fact. It's just melanin in a goddamn skin. We're all the same goddamn fucking thing. It's disgusting. We have all our own unique cultures and our cultures have derived from our environment and our environment is, again, what shapes us as materialists. We know this. So as human beings, we have to appreciate what's around us. And I'm talking the nature, the love, the life that's around us and the life that gives us fear the life. So we have to love this shit. In terms of propaganda, in terms of private property, this has to go. This is what we're against as fucking communists. I mean, I'm I'm furious now, but I really had to get a lot of that off my chest. That was the purpose in this xenophobia and Marxism series is to is to show that we have to fight racism where it exists, and it exists within our same goddamn fucking movements where we're supposed to have fucking comrades. We can't turn away from this shit. It shouldn't take another mass shooting to go. Oh my god, you know, Asians are actually not that bad. What what's gonna happen next year is yeah, we'll have a fucking Asian lives matter. I can't no, cope. No, no, this, this is Americans we're talking about. It'll take them a couple of centuries before they get around to it. It'll take a couple of centuries, but then we'll see an eight. Hashtag Asian Lives Matter. Oh my god, what is wrong with this fucking world? Liberals, capitalism, globalization, imperialism. There hasn't been a native lives matter yet. All lives fucking matter, but the point is, you know, before we even fucking... I'm going to get attacked for saying all lives matter. I, I understand yeah, the, the, the definition like, behind like, it. You don't mean it like that. Like, he's just taking the fucking piss out of the, the, the fact that, like, yeah, people exactly. are going to take what Black Lives Matter is, and they're just going to use it as a, as a fucking Trojan, because Black Lives Matter was originally an actually a radical... Like, it still is a radical movement. The radical movement still exists. But what ended up happening is the, the Black Lives Matter ha- ra- radical movement got coerced and turned into a gimmick by the neoliberals. Black Lives Matter supported Biden's presidency and then Biden's presidency supported them on yeah, Twitter. The say no more, say it. no more. It's being co-optive, it's bourgeois and everything. It's yeah, not revolutionary. Been, we need to take these motherfucking yeah, heads off. Been, that's what I mean. It, it started off with a great bunch of heads at it and it was never revolutionary, but it was radical. But it got coerced by the fucking the neoliberals and they turned it into... A, uh, a softened blow to begging Biden for changes rather than shouting for them and burning more police stations down. But yeah, let's continue on. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any messages to our listeners to add on? How can we support our comrades and how can we combat xenophobia? Why is that important? Yeah. So I, I would just like, you know, ask people to, to kind of confront that propaganda when they see it, right? Like, look at the big picture, right? You know, you see news like why China's taking your job, China's locking up Christians, China's killing all the Muslims, like, like things like that, you know, like push back against it because 
those narratives, when they get repeated and repeated, they, they contribute to how Americans view Chinese people and how Americans start seeing like all Chinese people as evil or, you know, Orientalist, like you know, less than human, right? Like all of these things build together. So that's what I, I think people should be calling out, right? And if you need resources for that or if there's like specific things you want to uh, you know, ask about, like, I'm, I'm always open, um, happy to help there. But I, I think, you know, that's what we can do to, to combat xenophobia, right? Like, there is a, a motivation behind all this to push for support for the next great Cold War against China. And as people living in the Imperial Corps, it's our duty to push back against that. You are a fucking respectful geezer. It's a bit of a legendary conversation, especially being able to get more ex a more experienced outlook on something that has been so prevalent for so long amongst the, the Marxist community, especially as well as amongst common society. This prevalent need to be xenophobic is bombastically and covertly racist towards China. And of course, um, as we've mentioned, being racist builds your sense of community in the Imperial Core because that's how disgusting the Imperial Core is and that's why we need to annihilate this concept of capitalism, imperialism, so there is no Imperial Core. Like all the, the racism episodes that we've done in favour of putting an end to racism in the name of solidarity, this is something that I think people should listen to multiple times over let it sink in once it's sunk in and you still have additional questions think mass line except we've got the internet reach out to the comrade link reach out to the previous comrade in the xenophobia marxism episode join our discord server in the discord server now just ask them ask them your questions learn if you have any doubts about china for example as being socialist or even China being imperialist, I guarantee you now our Marxist comrades understand those doubts more than you because they've done the research. That's why the comrade earlier linked a website showing basically all of the Chinese doubts about the CPC. They're aware of it, they understand the potential contradictions and they engage with them. However, their life experience and their practice and their education has shown them a different answer to the one that, surprise, surprise, the Imperial Corps would like you to believe. I myself am still engaging. I'm not willing to take any point or stance whatsoever because I think that taking a stance is, by its very nature, anti proletariat I think that what we have is the politics of the anti it's not so much about what people believe in, it's what they're against. So for me to take a stance on China is socialist, I'm going to spend 24 hours, seven days a week on Jen Zedong's server talking about how China's amazing, I feel like that is ultimately confrontational. And I believe that, again, I should just rather continue to speak to our comrades as I have been doing now so that we can speak out against this racism, which is wrong. It's never the politics, but simple humanity that we're talking about. So for those Marxists who are anti-China, they're not anti-Chinese people. They're just anti-CPC. You're a racist. Get over it. It's despicable what you yourself are perpetuating on the children of Chinese people. Chinese immigrants in the Imperial Corps, it's despicable. You're perpetuating this violence and massacre, which undoubtedly, unfortunately, 
is going to escalate in the United States today because you're up there on Reddit as a Marxist, like, oh, China bad because of this, because of that. Got a fucking end, scumbag, class traitors. In any case, let me move on because obviously I'm furious. He gives me so much to think about and we'll continue to do this series as well so that we can iron out all of the madness and clarify a lot of the points. Geopolitics is like a game of chess. You do need to analyse it. Indeed, but that's the point. We can choose to either play chess or we can choose to flip the fucking board up and say this game is over, motherfuckers. And that's what we have to do. <laughs> make sure that no, like, because the problem that we got is we, gotta, we, we don't want another situation like the 90s where there's just one imperial power that controls everything and all the other imperialist powers are just cucks to it because that's when you get this no, world. We do not want, no, we do not want that. I agree with you. Jason, can I just ask you, have you got any plugs for our listeners? Any work that people can support you on? Where can people find you to message you or support you in the future? Uh, Twitter. I mean, you have my Twitter. Maybe you can post it with uh, the podcast or something. Um, Absolutely. I, I also link uh, two articles in your Discord chat. That One of them, especially the red sales one, China has billionaires. I think that one is... Very, very good. A friend of mine wrote that. I, I did help with some of the editing, but I, I highly recommend that. It's uh, it's long, but Definitely. very well re- resourced. Um, so, yeah. And, and then also my Twitter. So, you know, like any questions, feel free to just at me there. I'm in this Discord now, so like occasionally I'll be on. Like if, if you tag me, I, I will come and, and respond to. Boss, what we'll do actually to, to elaborate on this as part of the series is... Me and the co-host, the Zen Marxist, is, is going to we'll do a series and we'll go through that text which you discussed on why China has billionaires and we'll attack every single contradiction within there to, to get to an underlying truth or understanding it, at least of the circumstances economically, which, you know, China is an economic system. It's not communism. It has an economy. We have to understand capital in China in the same way that we have to understand capital in the imperial core and to understand how power and abuse and exploitation is laid out. And also because that highlights... A billionaire is not a small thing. Because that's a very big achievement in capitalism that happened nearly, nearly 150 years after imperialism existed. Because that really emphasises what a class structure is all about. Okay, so with that being said, thank you so much. Comrade, you have opened up. Thank you for having me on. Really great to meet you guys and speak with you guys. Boss, I'll speak to you whenever. But thank you so much. Obviously, we understand you've opened up about your deepest fucking traumas and reality that us white people can't even properly fucking comprehend. For everybody else, you know, we're going to continue on this series now. Workers and lumping of the world unite.
sitting in an English garden, waiting for the sun. If the sun don't come, you get your tan from standing.